I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's a What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Lowe Jr. That is me. Uh, these are the holiday podcasts. Uh, again, as always, we appreciate you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing, leaving us that five-star rating, and checking us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Um, for those that are checking in for the first time this week, for anyone that was unaware, uh, the week leading up to Christmas and the week after Christmas, we are doing three podcasts a week instead of our normal five days a week. For those of you that have gotten used to us hitting your inbox uh, each and every day, Monday through Friday, um, we're going Monday, Wednesday, Friday um, with some great interviews with some guests that we really like, some ones that we pre-recorded, some more evergreen stuff. Today, we're going to talk to Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick about the state of college football. He is the Athletic Director for Notre Dame and also operates as a college com conference commissioner for all intents and purposes when it comes to some of the major decisions being made at the highest levels of the sport. And we'll hit on all that playoff expansion, the world of NIL, what happens next with some of the key issues uh, around college football right now. Very excited uh, to talk to him about that we got katie nolan coming up on friday as well brandon is uh finishing up the move still part of this was to give us some time to take a bit of a breather around the holiday we, we didn't want to stop putting stuff out 
but we also needed a second to catch our breath. It's been a sprint since we started back in May and we're trying to, you know, certainly give Brandon some time to make this move. The holidays coming up, give everyone a chance to recharge and also try and figure out how to come back in 2023 and continue to make this thing better. And like we said, since the beginning, continue to give you guys something worth listening to. Uh, we're really, really appreciative of everyone who's come along and, and hopped on with us so far. Uh, everyone who's tweeted a nice thing at us, sent us a review. The Spotify raps we talked about and the year end stuff there was really humbling to see people who had, had spent so much of their time with us. That meant a lot. And so uh, we're trying to take that seriously and also recharge the batteries uh, heading into the new year. Um, I am down in North Carolina right now recording this podcast at the Jumpman Invitational in Charlotte. A uh, really cool event, college basketball, uh, a, one of those like early season invitational tournaments for the Jordan brand schools, the Charlotte sports foundation and the Jordan brand came together on this project, the Charlotte, uh, the Charlotte sports foundation that also puts on the Duke's Mayo bowl that I was a part of a really great group of people. Um, Miller, who's in charge of all this has done a phenomenal job at manning the helm on this and uh, really cool. So uh, the, the four Jordan brand schools, that are Jordan Brandon basketball and football. So Florida, Oklahoma, Michigan, and North Carolina came together, all the men's and women's team for this two-day tournament down here. And at the heart of all of it is a really cool mission, which is this desire to not for PR reasons. This was, you know, something that they had in mind back before the pandemic that they had been planning for, but to make sure that the men's and women's programs that were a part of this were all treated with the equal respect that they deserve based on all the work they put in. We've seen so many horror stories in the last couple of years of the way women's collegiate athletics has been, you know, quite frankly, belittled in comparison to its male counterparts and the experience down here from the gear, from the, uh, way that they were welcomed in. I mean, as soon as these players walked into their team hotel, there were custom photo shoots, uh, rolling on the screen, heading up the escalator that were honoring each team coming in. Uh, they had plenty of space to operate, uh, great facilities. Uh, they played at the Spectrum Center down here, which was awesome. And, uh, you know, the crowd was really into it. It was just, it, it's great to see. And it's done in a way that's not here to celebrate that. It's not here to make that the story. It, it's done because that's the way that things should be done. And we've seen so many people fall short on that lately. And so I wanted to make sure that they got the love they deserve for that one. Um, uh, everyone involved in this is, has made it first class. It's been really cool to see the way Charlotte stepped up for this. Uh, Charlotte, which we talk about all the time, one of the many queen cities, but stepping up and, and truly owning that crown uh, for this midweek tournament. So a, a lot of fun to see down here. And again, uh, I think honoring what we've wanted to see for a while and, and what I know so many people have talked about and fought for, which is, you know, the men's and women's games to both be celebrated for the incredible accomplishments of the athletes involved. And it felt like that down here. It was big. It was respectful of everyone involved and put on a really good product uh, for everyone to see and looked great doing it. A lot of J's inside that arena. Um, so again, shout out to everyone involved in that. Really cool. Uh, was very fun to be invited and come check this out and uh, start to actually digest some college basketball uh, this season uh, as we get going. Football season has been a blur. And so getting to come up for air and hang out down here was awesome. Um, 
we mentioned we're talking with Jack Swarbrick uh, today and talking about college hoops. College is a lot on the brain. It's National Signing Day as this podcast is releasing on Wednesday, December 21st. And it's one of those days that's cool. It's very easy to get nostalgic uh, going back through this process. Uh, I signed my national letter of intent February of 2008, which is long ago and feels every bit of that long ago. Um I never had one of those, well, no, I shouldn't say that either. I, I did have a weird commitment story where I committed to Notre Dame on an international cell phone calling Charlie Weiss from the Leaning Tower of Pisa um, and then signed my national letter of intent on Mike and Mike in the morning when my dad and Greeny were doing that at the time. And I looked like hot shit. I had long, scraggly hair at that point, which now I dearly miss. I, I was getting ready to go into school after that. So I'm wearing my school uniform, but it's unbucked. And I was trying to look. I, I don't know what I was going for. It didn't work out. Uh, I'll post pictures with this podcast. It was horrific. Um, and I ended up signing a blank piece of paper on Mike and Mike because the beauty of showbiz, I had actually had to fax in my national letter of intent as soon as I could that morning. And so that had already gone off. I was already signed up and ready to go. Uh, that NLI is the scholarship agreement. It says that you'll go there and they'll pay for your school in addition, in exchange for you playing some football. And so did that. It was a cool moment. My brother was there. My dad was there. Obviously it was super special. I'd grown up wanting to go to Notre Dame my whole life, but uh, I don't think we saved that blank piece of paper that I signed on TV. I don't think it was quite that special, but, but that was in a world in 2008 where there was no NIL, there was no transfer portal. It was light years different. We only had one uh, national signing day back then. We've got two now. So this one is December 21st. The second one is February 1st. That one is back when we used to have the original one. And I saw Dan Walken over at USA Today write an article about how we should change this because there's a lot of people up in arms about this and there's a lot of people up in arms about the transfer portal in general and there's a lot of people up in arms about name image and likeness and its role in all of this and i wanted to just throw some cold water on a lot of this because i think it's a lot of wailing about change that's going to probably calm down in a couple of years i think the one thing that i can say that I'm starting to feel pretty definitively, we should go back to one signing day. It should be in February or at, at worst late January. And it should be well after the transfer portal has opened and closed. And it should give everyone involved time, space, and room to make the right decisions. Again, this signing day is December 21st. The second one is February 1st. What happens in the middle of that is the transfer portal being opened. That opens December 5th and then closes 45 days later on January 18th. You've also got bowl season in there. You see what I'm saying? There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen on this one. And so I think in an effort to declutter in a way that is fair to both coaches who have their calendars very full right now in a way that I, I think in an honest moment, if you ask them among all the things in the sport that have changed right now, the one thing that they would probably want near the top of that list is a little bit more clarity and a little less clutter on the recruiting calendar overall. But especially in this time of year, when you're putting pen to paper on the most important part of their job, which is getting the talent in your building, I think coaches would certainly benefit from that. And I think players would benefit from that as well. Because right now, with what the transfer portal offers, there are going to be some schools that are better served building their rosters through the portal. 
they're not going to be able to go out here and recruit with teams on the level of, you know, the top ends of college football. I was talking about this with Jacob Hester, former LSU running back, who who offered this up that schools like Kentucky that uh, just got a commitment from Devin Leary, the former NC State quarterback in the transfer portal, are going to be better served turning their eyes and their resources towards that. The problem with that is it does have the potential to impact the lives of young people getting ready to sign their letter of intent. And I know they've got the portal now and they could jump right in, but it seems weird to use that one-time transfer when you could have just pushed this back so you didn't sign that paper with the right school or wrong school to begin with. So I think it benefits the players to have that information. Hey, did they go after some older guy in the portal at my position in a way that's going to change the trajectory of what I was told was going to be my opportunities here, et cetera? Really practical example that happened in this recruiting cycle. Dante Moore, one of the five-star quarterbacks, really great quarterback in this class, had been committed to Oregon. And then the announcement from Bo Nix came that he was coming back to Oregon this year instead of going into the NFL draft. And so Dante Moore promptly flipped his commitment from Oregon to UCLA since Dorian Thompson Robinson, their quarterback, is no longer going to be there. There are players that won't have the good fortune of that quarterback making that decision to stay. There are players that might have a quarterback in the portal jump in after signing day in that time that they've got. And so I think there'd be a big benefit for the players on that side uh, as well in moving this all back. Um, Because the original intent of this early signing day was to declutter and clarify things, give players that wanted to be done with recruiting a chance to go ahead and put pen to paper, give coaching staffs a chance to get this done earlier in their month, earlier in the month of December, so they can focus on other things going forward and know that that, second signing window. Now you got more information, right? If a kid's been committed to you, but didn't want to sign in that early window, you know, he might be looking elsewhere. So you can go looking elsewhere and for the players, vice versa. And so I think it's original intent has been skewed now by this big transfer portal thing that's been dropped into everybody's lap. It's big, it's important, and we have to adjust. We can't just sit here and play by the old rules because the old rules have had a major new factor added to the equation. So that's, I think, the most important thing to come out of this from a practical sense that can be done now and I think can benefit everybody involved. The name, image, and likeness stuff, listen, new ball game, right? And for guys like Pat Narduzzi, who has committed to the bit of being the guy that is going to say something very publicly critical about NIL and the way that it's used to entice players every offseason. Jordan Addison, his wide receiver last year, who got poached by USC, he came out and complained about tampering very publicly last year. He went on 93.7 The Fan the other day and said that Two schools had offered $5 million to try and get North Carolina quarterback Drake May to transfer out of there. Um, Mac Brown, the UNC head coach, also uh, echoed that himself, uh, basically saying, you know, I'm not going to say the names of the schools. Don't ask Drake May, but look who's getting all the players right now with these resources, and you'll know who it is. This doesn't really get interesting to me until they start naming names, quite frankly, and there's a thing about you know, glass houses and stones that might be the reason that they won't. But if they start naming names and they want to really take away all the decorum that usually exists amongst coaches at this level, feel free. I'll sign up for that mess any day. But in the meantime, this is just people that are uncomfortable when they're not benefiting from this system or when they've got something to lose. Like 
anyone should have shoot their shot with Drake May. He's an incredible quarterback who played on a team where he had to really do a lot of things himself because the things weren't there around him to make his life easier. And in college football, we just saw last year the transfer quarterback, Caleb Williams, that won the damn Heisman. These guys can change your life in a hurry. And Drake May is firmly one of those dudes. And right now, while the NCAA is in a transition time and trying to figure out where they fit in and all of this, kind of toothless. We saw the couple of instances where they pointed and thought about enforcing something and we all just laughed them out of the gym as did schools because what the hell are they going to do right now not a lot and so unless that starts to change sometime soon go call and check it out like again i understand it's technically against the rules and people will point to what people with contracts in the nfl or the pro level can do they got a union which means their voice gets heard on this stuff which means there's give and take in the way that this is set up college football players don't have a union they have so much of this sport dictated to them and forced upon them without any say so in the process and so if this can be one of the areas where they've got a little bit more power than their pro counterparts who are acknowledged as employees in a way that college players aren't i'm kind of willing to just say hey man them's the breaks coaches like again i have sympathy for a lot of parts of what's gone on in coaching and how it's legitimately made it a, a more complicated job than it even already was it's an incredibly hard job i got friends that are in coaching i feel for those guys but I'm always going to be about what's best for the player first. And we're at a pendulum swing moment right now. And I'm fine with it being this way because, again, players don't get a lot of say-so in what goes on. So for them to have more control in this area, I'm down for that. As far as the impact of NIL on the transfer portal, on high school recruits and where they're going to end up, and schools getting pissed off about the effect of that because it's a new factor in a recruiting process. It's not the only factor, but it's a new factor, and it's a very big one at some places, and so it feels weird. Same way a lot of other new things felt weird. Like the people in the midst of this right now, coaching wise, are like I was in college when uh, social media really hit, smartphones started to really hit, right? I'm like the daywalker generation. I'm an older millennial, so I had a life before smartphones in my pocket all the time and the ability to go out there and tweet whatever I wanted to a massive audience at any given moment. It's not like kids that grew up now, Gen Z, who's only known social media access their entire lives, who's had tablets in their hands since they were two. It's a different relationship with it. And so there are points, even for me now, as technology continues to go, where I have moments of strain, like the ones I'm sure my parents felt around some of this stuff that's new and different and strange compared to what I knew as I go along here and as I get older. I understand it's going to be that way for some coaches. At the same time, there's going to be a generation of coaches, young coaches getting hired. We saw a bunch of young coaches get hired last offseason. It's going to keep happening. And they're going to come of age as head coaches at this job, learning a world where this has been the only thing they know. We're getting a handle on what your school's NIL policy is. What kind of packages are the NIL-led collectives offering? What are you guys promoting as what you're going to do when players get on campus in addition to everything else and how you're going to recruit and make sure that you're consistent with your own players. They're going to figure that out. But we're at the change point right now. It's hard. Change is difficult, and this is a complicated one. While, again, we don't have a lot of clarity, and the calendar is the place that we can get a win. But for all the people freaking out, I just want to read you right now the 24-7 composite list going into signing day uh, of the top 10 college football recruiting classes for this cycle. Number one is Alabama. Number two is Georgia. Number three is Miami. And then it's Texas, LSU, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Clemson. Tell me who sounds out of place there. 
Tell me which of those brand names doesn't sound like they belong near the top of college football. That in a sport that already has a big resource disparity, looks like they jumped the line somewhere. Looks like they paid to get into a place that they wouldn't have already been based on their cachet in the sport. Oh, wait, because those are all the names that we're used to. And then you go on the outside of the top 10. 11, Florida. 12, Penn State. 13, USC. 14, Texas A&M. Which, man, we can talk about money can't buy you happiness everywhere looking there. At Texas A&M, who had the best class that money could buy last year, and it notched them a 5-7 and seven record and a trip out of bowl season. It's an inexact science right now. But all that is to say, it's the same faces up here who are just getting there a different way. Because this is evolution. Recruiting is always evolution. There's a, a theory in evolution called the Red Queen Hypothesis. It's from the Lewis Nick Carroll uh, novel Through the Looking Glass, like the Alice in Wonderland story. This idea that you've got to do a lot of running to stay in the same place. In evolution, it means... As the prey, you've got to adapt to outrun your predators. You've got to find different ways to mate, uh, better ways to reproduce so you can stay alive in the game. And then your predators evolve, find better ways to kill you, and round and round we keep going. Everyone evolves to stay in the same place, alive in the game. That's what's going on in recruiting right now and in college football in general. We're doing new things to get to the same place. That same group of big brand names at the top of the sport, the same people who had bigger buildings with better slides and deeper pools of five-star recruits before, just having to find new ways and adjust to getting them now. It's no different than when they had the adjustment of offense that Nick Saban was the center of the friction of back in the mid-20-teens, where we heard Nick Saban saying, is this what we want college football to be when these spread no-huddle offenses came? And then everyone adjusted. It was uncomfortable for a little bit. Nick Saban and others talked a lot about injury and the things that would come along with this and the way the game would look and yada yada. And it changed and everyone was fine. And the same people near the top of the sport found a way to stay at the top of the sport. And a couple of new faces emerged. But again, it's not all that many different ones in there because the resources have always really been in the hands of the same few characters. And so it's a lot of running to stay in the same place, which means it feels like a lot now. But this isn't the stuff that's changing it. The conference realignment, the playoff expansion, all those dominoes moving, I think are going to end up having a far greater effect on the sport than these things that just allow players greater mobility and ability to maximize their value while they're in college. And so that's kind of the state of things heading into signing day to day. I'm sure it's going to be a wild day. I saw Ari Wasserman at uh, The Athletic already tweeting that there's you know reports that a big-time quarterback might flip heading into signing day and... All of this stuff, I, maybe Ari was serious about that. Maybe he wasn't. Either way, I'm sure a lot of wild stuff's going to happen today. I'm sure some of it is going to be tied to NIL payments. I'm sure some of it's just going to be good old-fashioned 17- and 18-year-olds not having their mind fully made up on things as they've got more than ever on their plate leading up into these decisions. And so, it, it again, we're in a transition period right now in a lot of ways in college football. We've been drinking, I think the Brent Venables line, we've been drinking it through a fire hose for the last few years. And because it happened all at once, I think the 
potential for people to overreact and act like the sky is falling and be sensational with this is at an all-time high. But I think when we take a step back in a couple of years, we're going to see so much of this stabilize once we get some clarity. So again, knock that signing day back to the original one, get it out away from the transfer portal, give everyone a chance to catch their breath, get the most information possible, and make the best decision. And then you can get mad about it on message boards. When the five-star that you loved flips to a different school, and when you manage to flip the five-star that comes to your school. Use NIL as a scapegoat. Tout your coach's recruiting ability when you get the chance on the other side and it benefits you. Do all that stuff. But just know it's a lot of running to get to, so far, what has looked like the very same place. And quite honestly, even a better one. Like, look at all these transfer portals that have been transfer quarterbacks that have helped recharge and reinvigorate programs. Having Tennessee back was fun as hell this year. Hendon Hooker was a transfer portal guy. USC being back helped the entire Pac-12. Caleb Williams is a transfer guy. Bo Nix was a transfer from Auburn. Round and round we go. These guys not having to sit in deep quarterback rooms like early 2000s USC and get out and help other programs be awesome, even if they're some of the same normal programs, is cool. And I think a legitimately good thing. We had a lot of fun in college football for the vast majority of this season. The transfer portal helped helped a bunch of that. The product on the field was still really good and really exciting to watch. And we had newer names involved. TCU's in the playoff this year. All things that can be good, but all things that are definitely very different right now. So uh, sit back and enjoy. I'm sure as you're potentially listening to this right now, some crazy shit's already happened on signing day. Congratulations to the players, you know, in, in this brief moment. I know as the sport becomes even more professionalized in the way that we're treating it uh, now with the players, it's still an awesome moment for these guys. It's a, it's a life-changing moment. It's the start of the next leg of your journey. And so uh, congratulations to everyone. Uh, It's a different journey for everyone involved. And it's potentially got more twists and turns now with the portal for guys. uh, There are things that are certainly not going to go your way. Signed a guy that didn't play until his true senior year and had to really wait in the back end of that. Um, There's going to be a lot of things you can't control, but today you do have that control. And in this process, you've got a little bit more control than ever. So enjoy it. Good luck rooting for you. Um, We are going to take a quick break. uh, And then when we come back, we're going to talk to Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick, one of the voices that is uh, important in a lot of college football processes about what comes next for a lot of different angles of the sport. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. 
All right, guys, welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. here uh, alongside my father, Mike Golick Sr., and a very special guest today, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick. Jack, happy holidays. How you doing, sir? Happy holidays to you guys. Great to see you. I, uh, every day you invade my, uh, my Twitter account. I read about what's going on. You guys are ubiquitous. I see you can't use big words like that around uh, me. You know, I, know, I know Mike can understand yeah, exactly. that. But yeah. putting, the, putting the degree to much better use over here. <laughs> uh, Jack, I'm just amazed that you're not sick of him yet seeing my dad constantly bombarding campus on the golf cart year-round around the neighborhood here. Yeah, well, he uh, he brings a certain uh, class to the neighborhood. So, <laughs> so, so we're, we're, we're all for it. Always shame me with the Christmas lights. There's, those are really nice. That's, that's all my wife. Uh, she takes care of that. And as I said about my golf cart, I love the golf cart more than my kids when they were here because back then it would be a violation for them to drive and so i said if you guys get me in trouble i said you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm disowning you so i dig that golf cart but I, I dig it certainly around christmas time are you you big holiday holiday guy we are yeah we're in uh the older my kids get the more of a challenge it is to get together but everybody will be here in south bend with me this year including one grandchild so that's great oh so you got okay i have my first as well he's he's like five six months old so any any grandparenting tips for me no but isn't it great oh it's just ideal well you because you can give them back yeah, right yeah it's amazing <laughs> no it's uh we've we've loved it she's uh i guess 11 months 10 months now oh, okay and so uh yeah no it's uh it's a pure delight you know she's uh my my daughter um, I don't think she ever attended a high school football game. She went to a college, a university that didn't have a football program, and she is Notre Dame's biggest fan. So as a two-month-old, my granddaughter Mary attended the uh, ACC basketball tournament in Brooklyn. Oh, nice. As a seven-month-old, she was at the Horseshoe when we played Ohio State. <laughs> she was in Las Vegas when we oh. played BYU. So this is a one-year. We, we've got pictures of this of this uh, less than one-year-old in all these venues. And uh, every time she runs into somebody famous, they say, hey, can we hold her? And so we got pictures of Lee Corso holding her and Roy Williams holding her. Oh, my gosh. It's, uh, it's great fun. That is well-traveled right there. Yeah. That's impressive. The I, baby photo album is going to look yeah. a lot different than that, me and yeah, my brother and sisters exactly as kids. That's right. Well, uh, one more on the holiday. Just got to have to ask because I got in trouble for this so long ago because I always had a real tree until I didn't water it enough. And my wife gave me a last chance. I dried it out again. So we've had fake for years. You were real or fake, Tree? Oh, we're real. It's uh, Good for you. My mother would, would, if she were alive, she'd disown me if I did anything else. So um, uh, when does this air? I don't want my wife to hear this. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> my only assignment this year with the whole family coming was to get the tree. And... Apparently, people in South Bend buy their trees very early. Yeah. Because I went out, and I can't find anything. I mean, they're all five feet tall or <laughs> something Charlie Brown wouldn't purchase. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, oh, man, this is getting serious. So I, I go to sort – of, I'm running around all one night trying to find one, and I go to the, the last place I stop at. It's same deal, five-foot trees, and almost nothing. Drive away. I'm driving home. I said to myself – they had a beautiful tree at the entrance, all decorated and lighted. That was their promotional tree, right? I said, I wonder if they'll sell that to me. So I call. Um, in fact, they will sell it to me. They'll take the lights and everything off because they want to keep them. And I said, that's great. 
the mental image of the tree that I captured by driving past right. it was not the same <laughs> as I experienced when it was delivered to the house. So it's still in the garage because I can't figure out how to get this monstrosity into the house. I may have to walk down the street and knock on the Golik's door and get some help here. How big? So it's, it's really it's tall? It's 12 and a half. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. But it's the width I didn't account for. Oh, okay. It's... Uh, you know what? Like like you said, you're doing us the kindness coming and hanging out with us today. I feel like we can give you some help with the manual labor. We're not good at a lot, Jack, but we're good at pushing and pulling. So I this feel is, like that's we can what this is, man. This is this is pushing a big object through a small opening. Oh, I thought you were going to tell us say sort of like you went and cut down your own tree or something. No, this is even, this is even better. This is. But that's a great move. Say, you know what? Money talks, man. I, I go, go <laughs> you know see what? if this thing's for sale. It's like those guys, the linebackers, asking Tom Brady to sign the interception ball after the game. Yep. What's the worst they can say? They can tell yep. you no. Yeah. 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 That's a good move. I'd imagine in this town, not a lot of people are going to, to turn you down <laughs> on the request there. So we'll, a good we'll, move. we'll help you move. get the Christmas tree uh, uh, across <laughs> the goal line on this one eventually. Um Jack, as we sit around now, Dad and I are in town getting ready to, you know, talk at the Notre Dame football banquet as we're recording this. Kind of a little year-end review of the team and everything they've accomplished. For you, looking back on this, you know, the whirlwind it's been since announcing Marcus as the head coach, the offseason that he went through really helping to go out there and be this ambassador for the program. How do you sort of sum up and grade what you've seen in year one from Coach Freeman in this program? Yeah, I guess the easiest way to Summing up is I'm I'm even more confident in him and sure that he's the right leader for the program now than I was the day I made the decision and I was pretty confident then. Um, you you don't learn a lot about a coach when you're beating Clemson handily. You, you learn a lot when you're losing to Marshall mm -hmm. um, and and what that night's like, what the next day's like, how he addresses the team, how he leads. And um, it was compelling. I'll tell you, it was, it was, it was textbook. And so I feel great about the foundation. I feel great about where we are. It's um, it's as cohesive a staff as it has been in my time here, which shockingly is now 15 years. Um, so yeah, I, I I feel great. An unusual season that I still haven't quite digested and figured out, but uh, feel great about where we are. Going through that season, you being the man that hired him, when there was the loss to Marshall and there was the loss to Stanford, was there not any regret, but but was there any like, okay, we're already out of where Notre Dame only wants to be, right, to get to the playoffs and knowing that was going to be gone. Did that change your then perspective of the rest of the season? Um, it didn't. Um and, and that consistency is part of what you're looking for, right? I mean, yes, our goal is to win a national championship, and we're, we don't have the second bite of the apple in a conference championship game that some people do. So, yeah, the consequences are different, but, boy, you can't change, as you guys well know, you can't change your approach or what you do. And I loved the way the team responded. Um, we, we had some things we had to figure out, and it took some time to figure them out. But, but it was interesting. Two years ago, I, I, I knew we were in trouble against Cincinnati all week. You could feel it. You know, just people were saying and doing the right things, but it wasn't real. It, wasn't, right. it just wasn't there. 
I didn't sense any of that before Marshall or Stanford, right? So I wasn't seeing something at practice that alerted me to a concern. The preparation felt great, and um, the performance just wasn't anywhere close to what it needed to be. And, and so you spend a lot of time trying to figure out why. And Marcus focused a lot on the teaching. He, he, he spent a lot of time saying, the answer here can't be they can't do it. The answer has to be, we didn't teach it well enough. Mm -hmm. And so why not? Why, why did they make that error? And um, that, was, uh, that was a really good approach. So does that make, I mean, again, this a weird question because high expectations are every year, but does that make the expectations for next year that much higher? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I think um, I expect to have the staff back. Um, I, th I think there's a better understanding of sort of who we are and how we have how we should approach it um, and we'll see we lose some very talented people mm -hmm. um, who contribute a lot to the team but I think I think it's in some facets we should be better um, and you know I'm not sharing any state secrets here in the college game and the professional game today it's all about quarterback yep. play and so that's going to be a big part of what defines next year for us. And to that end, Coach Freeman talked and was very candid about the conversation he had with Notre Dame's quarterback from this season and Drew Pine, who's since entered the transfer portal, saying, hey, listen, we're, we're looking at this is what is our approach is going to be. And I know I, you know, as former player, appreciated his honesty with the young person who had given a lot, but it speaks to that larger conversation of now we are in an era where the portal is such a part of this, where the name, image, and likeness conversation is such a part of this. How do you see Notre Dame fitting into that changing landscape now with some of those factors that have become a big part of recruiting to the school? Yeah. Um, how long is the show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the portal the portal's been very interesting for us so far. We have many fewer players go in the portal than other schools. And I think that has to do a lot with the fact they pick Notre Dame. They don't just pick the football program. And so when you net out grad transfers, and frankly, often we, we're thrilled for grad transfers, right? They, they've got their degree. Mm -hmm if they go someplace else they're, they are going to play more and so they've been a great member of the team and so that's all fine but when you net out the grad transfers um we we have very few and so that's great we now like everybody else have to pay extraordinary attention to the portal and who's in it and what what help they might provide to us in areas of need um and that's not easy i mean you sort of doubled your workload all of a sudden, especially with the number of young men who choose to go into the portal. So there's the, you want to stay focused on your needs. Don't just go shopping in the portal to see who's in the portal. Um, and make sure you're bringing in people who fit. That's the biggest part of this. We, in, in the discussions I've had with Coach about specific uh, prospective transfers, it's been much more about fit, you know. How, how, how will this individual be in the locker room? 
So it, it makes no sense anymore nowadays to talk about if it's good or if it's bad, if NIL is good or it's bad, because it's here. So you have to deal with it and find a way to deal with it. So as you mentioned, you've been doing this for 15 years. So you were before all this, and now it's here. And you mentioned talking to the coaches about this. So how much more difficult has it become for all of you to now, it's not just the 18-year-old in their living room. It's not just the fifth-year guy. It's everywhere in between now on when that process has to start and finish yeah nil has changed everything and it's unfortunate we i believe notre dame was the first university to publicly support nil in an interview in the new york times i think now six years ago or so father john talked about the importance of giving student athletes that right because every other student on campus had it mm -hmm. right and why why because you play a sport should you not have that right um so we're champions of it unfortunately we never anticipated it coming in to effect with no regulation <laughs> no no oversight and so what we've got now has nothing to do with name image and likeness quite literally it's it's you you do what used to be under the table payments and you now call them nil mm -hmm. yep. and um you not only pay it but you celebrate it um and it's it it, it is we're gonna have a look i am all for student athletes earning all the money they possibly can um but this is an unregulated process that's going to have some really sad results. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. You know, I was out in Vegas when we were talking to the, the different commissioners, and it was interesting because I kind of, one of them would say it's up to the commissioners to regulate and come up with rules. Others would say it's up to the government. It's a state rule, but it will, will it become, or law will it become federal? Weird, I, I mean, I don't know if this is even answerable, but who's going to eventually put guardrails up for this thing? It's a great question. Um, you know, I think I think we've done a great job of conclusively conclusively proving it's not us. Um, <laughs> we can't we, we can't seem to get there. Um, and, and 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 let me say I'm I'm I have great hope and optimism about the new president of the NCA. Don't know him, but the people I've talked to who do are very uh, enthusiastic about his leadership style. So I I hope he can help us, but we we can't and we're just going to have to get to a point where um congress is going to have to save us from ourselves in one form or another 
um, I was back there recently and a senator um, who has an important role in all of this looked at me in our conversation and said, answer one question for me. I said, great, sure. She said, who should I talk to? <laughs> wow. You know, it was, it was, couldn't answer it. Yeah. Um, and she said, you, you expect us to help you and we, we, you can't even tell us who to talk to. We, we need, we need leadership. Um, we, we need a unified view of what should happen. Um, and then we've got to go to Congress with our act together. Doesn't sound like it's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think there, there's likely to be trigger events. Um, yesterday, to no one's surprise, the NLRB in a case in California mm -hmm. um, took the sentiments expressed in the NLRB General Counsel's memo a while back and, and identified uh, student athletes as employees. There's a Fair Labor Standards case in Pennsylvania, which I think will likely result in the same place. I, I think that may be a big, of a, a bit of a trigger event, right? Where, mm -hmm. okay, is this really the model we want, and where are we drawing these lines? Um, is the Golik who swims not an employee, right. but the Golik who plays football is an employee? Why is that? And and so we're. Uh, I think this may be the external event that finally causes the realization we have to do something to solve this. You mentioned the new NCAA president's role in that because over the last years, and I know it's made it to our side on talk radio where you hear people supposing about does the NCAA have a role in especially big-time college football where it's already not sponsoring the championship and so much of the sport seems to have run itself up until this point. People have talked about a power five breakaway hypothetically going forward do you still see a role for the ncaa with big time college football in that way yeah i think it, i think we we have to i i don't think football will come under the governance of the ncaa any more than it is today i, I think there are a host of reasons for that but uh, i think the conferences will the major conferences will continue to run football effective you know as a practical matter um but um anything that happens in football is not happening in isolation it has title nine implications it has implications for the academic model and so we have to have the ncaa involved and they are the likely spokesperson uh if if we can uh support our, our new president and put him in a position to do that the other thing that we see changing in college football is it just seems odd say usc and ucla and the big 10 it just seems so odd as we know conference realignment going and and on shows i always get asked what do you think notre dame is going to do and i always try and and channel my jack swarbrick and think <laughs> of what he wants for notre dame and i and i give my answer um but i, I mean how is that pro process been? I would imagine you you are receiving many more phone calls than you're making. <laughs> well, there's certainly a period of time in the past year where yeah. there was a lot of that. Um, from my perspective, um, our independence has never been more valuable uh, to the university um, and to everyone who participates in it. And 
it's not about having some grand strategy produced it as much as it is the things that have happened have all helped position us even more effectively you know it, it was such an interesting year for us the past year very successful competitively we won the capital one cup for the best men's program but the year was all about notre dame right when you talked about conference realignment it was all about what's notre dame going to do Mm -hmm. When we talked about the playoff expansion, it was how's this going to impact Notre Dame? Is it going to force them into a conference? Um, you know, the remarkable video you guys were, were part of <laughs> and, and the introduction of Marcus in the locker room, those two videos dominated mm -hmm. among you know college football so the whole year was sort of about us in a sense right and 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 that just reinforced we're in a really good position um we have to have a media partner that will mm -hmm. allow us to compete at the same level as the big 10 and the sec and nbc has been a great partner and i anticipate them continuing to be we've got to have a home for our olympic sports and the acc has been a great home for that um and we have to have fair access to the college football playoff, and I think we're in a better position with regard to that than we've ever been. So uh, I feel great about both the value of independence and our ability to remain independent right now. Yeah, I, I think the expansion helped really kind of solidify the independence uh, because of that. It, it seemed to me, and one of the answers I would give, a lot does seem to be fall on the media partner because listen, we we, we get all, all the things surrounding college sports, but and one of them is money, and that's an it is an important factor. So it seems to me like that's the block that needs to tip the most for Notre Dame on where that's going to end up. Absolutely, um, and you know we'll that's that's sort of next on the agenda mm -hmm. uh, is, is to tackle that. But I'm optimistic, um, you know, again because. Um, we've had a lot of success and we've been well positioned. I think we have bring great value to a media partner. And so we're, we're clear. We, we, we have to have revenue streams that match those schools that are perennial contenders for the national championship. And um, we can do that. And that's, that's, that's what we're going to focus on. And that playoff expansion that helped solidify a lot of that was not an easy road to get to for all parties involved going back to last summer when we had the first round of conference realignment that sort of rocked everyone. For you, what do you ultimately think was the final push that got everyone to buy in outside of maybe the university presidents all stepping in and saying, hey, you know what, this is something we may need to consider? Yeah. Um uh, you know, my initial reaction is always, I want that 18 months of my life back. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the, 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 first of all, as background, the four of us that worked on the initial plan, uh, Greg Sankey, Craig Thompson, Bob Bowlesby, is the best committee I've ever worked on in anything, right? The four people had the best interest of the game in mind, maintained absolute confidentiality for a year and a half and it was just it was it was a great experience the adoption of it then ran into the politics of realignment and um delay sort of became inevitable not because of anything really central to the proposal but more about the challenges of the relationships in the room and so we had to sort of get by that and uh 
the final push did come from the presidents, who, who of course felt none of that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they weren't sitting in those meetings. <laughs> they were, yeah, they, you know, so it was e not easier. I mean, I appreciate it was it was not easy for them to step in and resolve this ultimately, but but they did, and and we got we got to the result we should have gotten to the whole time. But it, it seems like that. Not even just in this, but in life, when a lot of people are involved, it can be difficult to come to one conclusion and one answer. Well, that's a great point because there were two issues here. One was, are we going to expand the playoffs? And the other was, when are we going to do it? And to do it early, everybody had to say yes because the existing contracts had to be modified. Right. So it delivered to everyone an absolute veto. So whatever was important to you, you could just dig in on it, and, and we couldn't move forward. Um, on the question of expansion generally, that wasn't true, right? Mm -hmm. This is just sort of a majority of the people in the room. So um, once we knew we were expanding, uh, we still had some, some tough near-term issues, but we, we we got through them. They were well publicized and um, made it. Shout out to the Rose Bowl. I was going to say, <laughs> and, and, and I would like to know on the face of whoever was making that decision at what point they realized we 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 can't keep digging our heels in because this just is not going to work. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great scenic. Yeah. It's a wonderful game, but but yeah, to be done. the one left yeah. in the room, it seemed at that point because it was is it fair to say that that was one of the final hurdle i mean if not the final hurdle in getting to that point yeah i don't think i'm violating any confidences yeah. it, it played yeah. out pretty publicly but yeah that was uh that 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 was an interesting challenge um and was definitely impacted by realignment um so the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. With You mentioned the challenge. I'm just curious, kind of in a general sense, with your approach in all this, because you mentioned being a part of that four-person committee, looking around college football's leadership, you always hear the 10 conference commissioners plus Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick. Out, you, know, you and Greg Sankey looking around as the most tenured members of this group for you, is it more of a challenge or more of an asset being the only person that has to be an athletic director also operating as a conference commissioner of sorts in these same rooms? You know, being in that room is one of the great privileges of his job. And people often question our presence there. Um, 
few coaches in particular <laughs> are sort of preoccupied with it. Um, but, you know, what people need to remember is it's founder's equity. This never gets started um, without Notre Dame's agreement to participate in it um, many, many years ago now, pre-BCS, right? The first version of a, a national championship. And it simply doesn't happen without Notre Dame's participation. And, and so that's the basis on which we have remained in the room and I think have made important contributions to it. But it's it's been an absolute privilege. Um, I, I love doing it. I love building relationships with those individuals. But we also do bring value as the only athletic director in the room, right? Because sometimes there'll be a discussion about something and I'll say, you know, not really the way it works. Let me, you know, sort of tell you from an AD's perspective why we should do something differently. Speaking of national championship, how is it to be the, the athletic director of the fencing school? I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, you know, they passed the football total this yeah, year. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. And, uh, yes. Not that they didn't publicize that. No, <laughs> <much earlier. laughs> no um, it's great, of course. And uh, I'll tell you what, Gia has built such a great program. It's got a long tradition, of course, but the culture he has built uh, in our program here now is, is really a model for program culture. Jack, we so appreciated your time here. I want to send you out on, I think, the, the real hot-button issue that a lot of people want to hear from you about. The Notre Dame Summer Concert Series has become a big deal around here since the stadium renovation. Oh, Billy Joel was so good last year. We were fortunate yeah. to get to be in the stadium for that one. It's been awesome here. If Jack Swarbrick is building out his dream guest list of the next one he wants to go after for a concert in Notre Dame Stadium, who's that artist? Pink. Pink? Okay. There were a lot of names really? you said. Okay, pink. I didn't see that one coming. All right, I'll, I'll bite. Are you are you a pink fan? Is that where this comes from? I'm a big pink fan, but in terms of live shows, mm. you know, her aerial dynamics during a show. <laughs> yes. Um, can't you see her coming from the top of the library? <laughs> wow. Oh, on a zip line? On a zip line. Wow. Onto the stage, right, while singing. Uh, I'm, I'm the, telling you. Speed Did anyone else up? just get chills? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Next, next would be the boss. There um, we go. Well, that was kind of the, the rumor going around until we looked and saw, I think at that time he's in Europe. Uh, and then, I mean, my gosh, the yeah. Swifty over here, Mr. Taylor Swift fan, was hoping that would happen. I was going to say, listen, I know you've got a lot on your plate. you got a lot going on. <laughs> but if I can just make a plea on behalf of a large section of Notre Dame fans, I feel like the brand of Taylor Swift in Notre Dame would be fantastic. She's already familiar with the campus, her brother being here for a time. So just figured I'd throw that out there while I got you in the room. I can only get myself in trouble by responding to that. <laughs> That's a smart move. There we go. That's a smart move. Uh, Jack, we so appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Always great to catch up and uh, go Irish. Great to see you guys, and thanks for all you do uh, for this university. You are extraordinary ambassadors for it, uh, great uh, video stars, and so uh, we, we, we thank you. I appreciate that. I got that check for you. <laughs>